Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I am away this month and I am replaying some of my old favourite episodes this week while I'm on holiday. One of these episodes is the episode with Jamila Jamil, which was recorded back in March 2019. Since we recorded this episode, Jamila's I Weigh movement and brand, which started as a hashtag, celebrating all of the things that you weigh rather than what you weigh on the scales, has turned into a media company with its own podcast called I Weigh, which I really recommend listening to, plus a website and newsletter. And it's just turned into such a brilliant community of people that want to make change. You may know Jamila Jamil from her 2008 days as co-host of Channel 4's Freshly Squeezed and a presenter on T4. She was the first female solo presenter of Radio 1's The Official Chart Show in 2013. And she was an award-winning columnist for Company Magazine, if you remember that back in the day. But Jamila, in 2016, moved to the US and she pivoted into playing the role of Tahani on NBC's The Good Place. And it's gone on to win multiple awards and even nominated for a Golden Globe. I hope you enjoy revisiting this episode. I interviewed Jamila in her home in LA in person when I was over there last year. And it was just a really refreshing and interesting conversation. And a lot of people seem to enjoy it. So I wanted to pop it here in case anyone wanted to re-listen or listen to it for the first time. Hope you enjoy and I'll see you soon. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for ages and I was thinking now's not a good time to ask you because you're the busiest person in the world. But here we are. I'm here. So thank you. I honestly really appreciate it. No, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. So it was a pleasure. Thank you. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, but I was a big fan before, but I'm now like a big fan in a, in a different way, I suppose. <laughs> I'm always intrigued when people like pack up their lives and move because it's actually a really big decision to make. Yeah. You were doing so well in London anyway. What was the decision to just be like, I'm, I'm going to go? I'd been feeling restless. Every couple of years I get restless and uh, I loved being at Radio 1, but London was wearing thin on me and I felt like the doors were kind of closing in on me when it came to opportunities because not only am I a woman, but I'm a woman of colour and there aren't that many opportunities for us in, in great hosting roles uh, over in the UK. So I was, I was just getting itchy mm. <laughs> uh, for something new and then I had a huge health scare I found a, a doctor found a lump in my breast a really big lump in my breast and uh, gave me a week to sit and wait for the biopsy results which is so long that's so many mm. days to sit there and ponder what's about to happen to your life and so I made a, a fuck it list instead of a bucket list and uh, wrote down everything that I would do if it turned out not to be cancer and the first thing on that list was move to California mm. so I had to you do it. it. I'd written it down. And so I had the operation two weeks later and six weeks from the date of the operation, you can fly. So I booked my one-way ticket for then, walked into wow. Radio 1, told them what was happening. They were incredibly supportive and uh, had to leave a relationship, had to say goodbye to all of my friends. I didn't have a visa. I didn't have any contacts. I didn't know what I was going to do. Wow. I just came here and figured it out. I love that. I mean, I, there must be some feeling inside that... You know, if you if you go to London and just like make things happen, like surely you can go somewhere else and just do exactly the same. No, no, especially not as a woman of colour. Like I was told that I was too fat, too old and too ethnic by English people to try and start again. 
Like I'd wow. made a career for myself already in England. So they were like, you know, sort of you're made to feel very lucky for what you've got uh, mm. as a woman in, in this industry full stop. Um, but so I definitely didn't feel any kind of confidence about it. I just thought I'd come here and become a writer or something. I didn't mm. presume anyone would want me on camera. Mm. But I also just think that trying is the win and everything else is cake. So I see great um, uh, prestige in trying and being willing to fail and being able to take that hit to your ego. I think that's the sign of uh, a true hero. I wrote down something you said recently. Oh, really? It was something like, I might be paraphrasing it wrong, high hopes, low expectations. Yeah. That's genius because that just means you're going to go in trying, but it's just you're not going to be disappointed if it maybe doesn't work out. Yeah, it's a sort of cheat to life where you still get to try and have the experiences and nothing I've never planned on any of this I didn't want to be a TV presenter I didn't want to be a radio presenter I didn't want to be an actress Uh, not because I thought there was anything wrong with those things I just didn't think those things were for me you know I grew up uh, deaf as a child I went to a special needs primary school I then was disabled by a car when I was 17 unable to walk for two years like I wasn't the archetype I was also a Pakistani kid in a really racist time in London Mm. so I who had no money and no contact so it just didn't seem like a world that was for me um but I try anyway Mm. people you know nothing's I think my point is sorry I started rambling but um my point is that I've never had a plan and I think sometimes having too much of a plan can block out your periphery it's like wearing blinders and you've got tunnel vision and then you miss all the opportunities that come in via your periphery Mm -hmm. everything that's come to me has happened because I was open to change and open to deviating from my plan right yeah so you it's you can do the zigzag thing and enjoy it as it goes in a way because you're not just like zoning in on this one goal yeah we're also very few of us are just one thing mm-hmm. and I think you know particularly in English culture you're you're encouraged to just pick one lane and stay in it forever and it's like that's it that's your mm-hmm. box and um one thing I like about America there's a lot of things I love about England and don't love about America but one thing I love about America is that they encourage multifaceted people and they see great value in people who have lots of different skill sets mm. and they don't look at being a jack of all traits as like a filthy, dirty, bad thing. Mm. They think it's great because That's you're, like you're it, yeah. useful everywhere. Um, and so so I think that it's great for all of us to be more open to trying new things. And I took the good place. I was terrified that all the headlines were going to be like Ted Danson's new comedy destroyed by a random Indian woman, uh, <laughs> Indian <laughs> Pakistani woman. Um, and, and I had to take that chance because again, so what? So I get ridiculed publicly. It's happened to me before. You survive, you carry on. And I think what you've done is really inspiring to a lot of people because you're showing you can kind of move, you can make decisions that like take you off one path and go on to another one. But actually at the end of the day, you're still you and you can still rebrand and like yeah. change direction at any time and at any age. I reserve the right to change my mind about absolutely everything all the time, constantly. And so I really believe that about myself. I didn't used to, and now I do. And and I, I think it's an act of resistance, not being put into a box and not mm. being told what you can and should do. Yeah. I'm such a big fan of The Good Place, but I want to talk Thank to you, you about Ai Wei oh, yeah. first, because that to me is so exciting because you've created a platform, like it's mm-hmm. its own media channel now. And also today seems exciting to interview you because you just announced the, well, you just revealed the first interview of your series, but yeah. it kind of happened by accident, didn't it? 
I weigh. Yeah. yeah. It was just, I saw a post of the Kardashians uh, with numbers written across their body and I presumed that was their net worth, but it wasn't, it was how much they weighed. And because of the algorithms of social media, once you click on one of those, then a hundred of them come up. So it's like Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, all of these people worth like 250, $270 million, mm-hmm. all relatively uh, by themselves. These are all businesswomen um, who have made it off their own back and they've become their own super brand. And for them to be reduced to a number that you would never use to describe a man. I couldn't even fathom a picture of men with numbers written across their body that wasn't how much money they'd earned or how many awards they'd Mm. gotten. It's so bizarre the way that we've still value women now. So I just posted a a post, a picture of uh, myself uh, with a lot of words across it that were all the things that I weigh, which is my amazing career, my the fact that I'm financially independent, the things that I've overcome, my relationship, my friends. I am the sum of all my parts. That's what I weigh. I remember I regrammed something from I weigh ages ago that it was like, do we know how much Rosa Parks and Malala weigh? Yeah, exactly. Like, of course we don't. No. And because and it doesn't friggin' matter. No, it doesn't matter. But I posted that out into the world not thinking anything that much of it. You know, I thought maybe it'll get a couple of likes. I didn't expect thousands of people to start sending me theirs back. People were taking the time to sit down and evaluate themselves differently and then sending them to me and putting them out there into the world. So I started an Instagram account just because I didn't want to waste these lovely posts. But I thought it would be like the ice bucket challenge where it would last like two weeks and mm-hmm. then everyone would stop talking about it. But... We're a year now and we're growing like a couple of thousand a day. We're almost at 450,000 followers and none of those are bots. And we don't have a social media team. Like we did this all, just Mm. me and my friend Megan. So organic, just on our phones in between our other jobs, uploading people's pictures. It's all self-made. Like everyone uh, uploads their own, uh, everyone makes their own posts and they submit and we just post everything as it comes in. Mm. And it's, it's, such a strong community the things that people write to each other under their posts are so beautiful there's no trolling it Mm. feels like a genuinely safe space on the internet and I think that's why Instagram was so happy to have us be a part of them and so we only met with them for the first time a couple of weeks ago and we told them we had this interview series that we were filming because we're turning our way into a proper company Mm. and uh they offered to help us put it on IGTV because they they recognise the things that they have done that have been a, mis- a disservice to young people and they want to remedy that. And mm. I think they want to push for more things like I wake. Social media can be terrible, but it can also be a great saviour. It's, it's helped me as much as it's hurt me, I find. Yeah, it's a really beautiful community you've created there. It's an interesting one where something by accident becomes huge because mm. you already have a job and now you've got this other amazing thing going on how do you manage this thing that's growing so quickly and still maintain a sense of well not balance but just control of christmas day was my last day off like i am what is this mid-march now (laughs) we're getting to or wherever we are um yeah i'm i'm exhausted and it's really exhausting and people don't realize how tough activism is Mm -hmm. and you're taking shots all the time from people on the same side as you who are frustrated that they won't be listened to by the actual people who are against them so therefore they take it out on the people who are trying to help them but maybe are maybe aren't getting it completely right yet mm-hmm. and we're not able to serve absolutely every single individual and their individual needs all of the time oh, God, but it's, so it, it's quite self-cannibalizing on the left because you're not listened to by the right so therefore you just scream at anyone who'll listen and because I respond to people and because I have a very open social media uh, sometimes I get a lot of shit but generally I get mass support 
but it is exhausting and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to delegate and I'm trying to only delegate predominantly to other women or other people from marginalized groups and share the load but also share the glory with other people I think it's really sad when you are conditioned to feel like there can only be one and I think women Mm. in particular are taught that and so I'm I'm really keen to share my limelight and my platform with other people and also therefore share the workload totally exactly I mean do you have a team now with I I now have a team for I and it's uh, predominantly women and one man who has a disability and we're hiring people of all different ethnicities and backgrounds and sexuality and gender and it's just going to hopefully reflect in our office what you can see out in the world mm, that's so cool you are I think you've got such a good balance as well of and I really look to you at this where you are a badass person like you don't take any shit from anyone but you also admit when you're like oh shit sorry I might have got that wrong yeah and I think I mean I I cringe when I look back at like my early 20s when someone would be calling me out and I would just be like, no, I, I'm not wrong. And now I just think it's okay to just a be just a hundred percent admit I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I did that just last year. Like, um, I, I, I make mistakes all the time. I'm not omniscient, and there's a lot to learn. And I wasn't accepted into activism really until last year because when I was talking about all the same stuff about eating disorders and fat phobia and everything, I was chubbier. So no one used to listen to me because they say I was just jealous and bitter. And now that I'm slim, because I'm no longer on medication, uh, I've returned back to my sort of usual size. Uh, people are listening to me like it's the first time I've ever said anything. But activism, also the, the combination of that and the good place taking off and becoming such a huge show means that my platform just like, shot up. Mm. And so I found myself suddenly with a lot of eyes and ears on me without me being fully prepared for everything that I needed to know. Mm. And because there are so few people in my position who actually speak up and speak out for people, people kind of expect you to be everyone's saviour. And uh, and it's it's really tricky because you don't want to let anyone down, but also you're going to make mistakes. And so the only way to survive this is to admit when you're wrong. And what I've tried to do is change my, is turn my profile or whatever, fuck, my fucking brand or whatever is going to be just being okay to make mistakes and mm-hmm. fall as long as you are as long as you're heading in the right direction as long as you're trying to learn as long as you're reading and you're listening to people and you're shutting up and doing the work uh, it's okay to to be flawed and it's okay to have made mistakes in the past um i think ricky gervais who i almost never agree with uh said something that was really brilliant last week when he was talking about kevin hart and he was like if someone's apologized for something and someone did something 10 years ago that they no longer do and we write them off forever then we're saying there's no value in progress and that's so true with cancellation culture. It's like people aren't going to bother to improve if they're just written off and mm-hmm. always forever held to the standard to which they no longer live in that way. It's like when you read feminist books from even five years ago, it's like, oh, that's a little bit off. And yeah. it's like, yes, because we've moved on. And actually yeah. those women did their best at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, like you know, I haven't been perfect. I haven't been intersectional enough. I thought I was intersectional enough because I was brown. And so therefore I felt like I had an affinity with all brown or ethnic people everywhere and including black women. I don't. I don't know their experience. We have a different experience. And so when, uh, so I had to learn that one. I had to really take an L on that and realize that shit, I'm not intersectional enough. I don't know enough about trans. I don't know enough about queer people. I don't know. I don't know enough. Mm. And I may never know everything. I will never know everything. Mm. But as long as I keep trying, that should be enough. And I've made my social media a safe space for men 
which is great to see mm-hmm. that like especially on twitter like i have a lot of interactions from men who feel like they can ask me questions about things and um and other people who just find relief in the fact that i'm able to say sorry i fucked up yeah but my heart's in the right place and i'm trying the feminist in progress thing the feminist in progress yeah that's yeah. what i call myself because Basically. i think it's really arrogant to act as if you aren't and actually the fear of woke bashing is why more people in my position don't speak out because they're afraid they'll make a mistake and Mm. we've become so ruthless towards like not turning up already with all of the answers yes and not being perfectly politically correct in an ever-changing politically correct system Mm -hmm. it's growing and growing so fast which is brilliant but everyone needs a second to to learn and get used to it um, and so I, I worry that we miss out on allies with huge platforms because it is terrifying. You stick your neck out and people cut your head off. I'm willing to take it, but a lot of people yeah. are afraid, understandably. Yeah, because it's like the the same media that makes someone super, super famous and, and so popular, the same media that, that drag, dra- them. drag them right mm-hmm. back down. And it's just, it's kind of terrifying. But it's interesting because obviously I've been following you and your career and just loved everything you've done for, for many years. And I and I remember when the British press were horrible to so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. And when people look at you now without knowing anything about your background, it's kind of annoying you have to justify yourself. Yeah, but look, I get it. Like, it's really annoying that the press centres me around the body positive movement. That's not my movement. It maybe was when I was bigger, when I was younger, but I'm a slim, privileged person now. I totally get how annoyed they are. Because um, now they just see you maybe, like, in LA being... Yeah, they also don't know that I had struggles with my weight. They don't know I had an eating disorder. They don't know I was disabled. Uh, they also kind of see me as white. Mm. People, if you're not black, people just see you as white. And they so therefore kind of see me as they don't see my ethnicity as something I've had to also overcome in this like incredibly racist industry mm. uh, in which like South Asians are almost never represented until maybe the last couple of years. And I can still name everyone on one hand, which is terrifying in 2019. And we've been like browned up by white actors have browned up to play us. And we've played mm. embarrassing stereotypes. If we want to get a part at all, we have to play a terrorist mm. or like, you know, a sort of the most degrading, reductive stereotype. Yeah of an, a South Asian person, an uneducated, like angry South Asian person. Um, That's so, so But people crazy. don't see that struggle of mine. They just see me as, because with, that's how erased South Asians are, that people don't even see us as a minority. I understand that people are coming from a place of pain, not evil, and I'm trying to learn how I can service everyone. Yes. But I'm also forgiving myself when I can't because I'm only one human being. And if I spread myself too thin, I won't be able to help anyone. 100% and I think that's such a such an important conversation at the moment of like how to be an activist and not reach that point where you're like I don't want to do this anymore sometimes there are days where you're just like I this is so hard and I'm not only coming up from resistance from the opposition who I'm trying to defeat but I'm also coming up from resistance from my own who were distracting me and taking away my time just screaming at me when I'm trying to get something big past mm-hmm. and but I also like I said I understand I understand where their pain and frustration comes from they're just at boiling point because we've left it till 2019 to mm-hmm. give most people in the world basic humanity it the, the basic humanity that they deserve mm-hmm. um but what I've decided to do is just make sure that I pick more of a lane and force the press to stop making me the face of the bo- of body positivity. I talk about it all the time, but I'm I'm now just going to focus in on eating disorder culture and make sure that I keep myself further and further away from Bopo mm-hmm. because it's just it's just hurting people 
as much as it's helping them, it's also hurting them. And mm. I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm just going to focus on eating disorder culture. I've had an eating disorder for so much of my life. I completely have the right to talk about that. And I'm effective and I'm good at it and mm-hmm. I'm bright and I'm the right person to do this. And with with Iway, uh, it's going to be a company for activism. It's a, it's a lifestyle website that's heavily rooted in activism where we have different activists for different causes who live those experiences. So I'm not the voice of all marginalized people they're not a monolith Mm -hmm. but we're going to have different people working so we work together as a group and we support each other because activism is also lonely as all fuck Mm. i think it's exciting that since instagram like the paparazzis they can't get paid as much now i know i know know that it's all evolved but just the idea of like you remember when it would just be like victoria beckham and like people saying she never smiles and now she's like on holiday with her kids smiling it's like she gets to share who she is. It's probably a bad yeah. example. Um, no, no, no. That's a great example. But we, you can't tell our story anymore. And um, like Anne Hathaway saw that she was getting papped on the beach, pregnant in her underwear or like in her bikini. And so she posted a beautiful version of what would then be an ugly photograph, that, according to her, because they deliberately right. f- found photographs of her, like eyes half open, mouth open, like falling over. Uh, you know what I mean? Like sort of falling, crashing in the waves. And um, she didn't like how those photographs were going to look. So she posted a really stunning, like just there in all of her nine month glory. And she's so curvaceous and she's so, she just looks like a heavenly angel. And mm. that's the photograph that got all of the traction. I love that. Paparazzi didn't get paid. Taking back the control. It's so great. We're, well, we're taking back the ability to tell our own stories because I talk about this in the Sam Smith interview. The narrative of the media is so fascinating to me. When I was chubby, when I got really chubby and I gained five stone, which is like 75 pounds in um, 2012, because uh, I was on steroids for asthma. So I gained the weight incredibly fast. Also, I was eating like three curries a day. So it was definitely in part my doing i had a great time the food i was eating was amazing i was having good sex i was having i was in a happy relationship my friends and i were having loads of fun i made loads of money i was releasing loads of plus size clothing lines i felt the most respected in my industry i just made history as the first woman to ever host the official chart it was an amazing year for me but if you look back at photographs of that year the paparazzi followed me around all the time they would have seen happy moments me with friends mm. me with my boyfriend uh, living my best life which i was doing but they only ever publish the photographs where I'm alone and I'm mm. looking down or I'm bending over or I, for some reason, I'm not smiling on my own like a, a like I'm bananas, you know, just walking around the streets, like smiling alone. Um, so it doesn't represent pay- you No, no, no. They deliberately told the story that I'm like depressed, alone, fat, a failure, like feeling sad about myself, like choosing these particularly unflattering shots where I'm bending over so you can just basically see my asshole on the cover of a magazine. Um, I look the complete opposite of how I felt. And that's, that's why we associate being fat with being lonely or being sad or being a failure because that's Mm. the story we've been told Mm. fat people can be sexy and happy and wonderful and making loads of money and living successful brilliant lives just like very thin people like when i was very thin can be incredibly unhappy have an eating disorder have terrible things going on in their personal lives be spending their money out of control because they're mentally ill i was anxious i was depressed i was suicidal and everyone on the outside thought i was Mm. living the dream life because i was thin when i'm thin photographers stop and ask me for a photograph they never take photographs in the bushes they stop ask me to put my bags down let me pose for the photograph smile put my hand on my hip and so that's that's our narrative
it 100% makes sense and I find it so jarring because the times where I've been like my thinnest mm-hmm. for me I wasn't happy but you get this like you look great everything looks great and it's so jarring because it's like you're complimenting me yeah on like being mentally unwell yeah there's so many things mm. that are happening that we're just not talking about I want to talk about it I'm the Trojan horse that's going to come in here and just fucking I just want to blow the whole thing wide open and just show everyone the truth it is funny it is funny that you're doing the trojan horse thing because you fit the bill in so many ways the people that think the old school way still Mm -hmm. want to welcome you in because like you look great but you get to then speak the truth yeah well i have a unique position because of my privilege and i'm trying to use that privilege for good and i totally acknowledge my privilege although it's funny when people are like oh you're privileged because the way you look it's like 10 years ago the way i looked was that people used to call me a stinking monkey uh, to my face Mm. because that's my look of ethnicity was not considered beautiful Mm. and only white people were considered beautiful so my look has only just come into fashion in the last since like post J-Lo that's uh, interesting you know what I mean yes uh, so I had to overcome. so you're like wow thanks I can't yeah, win because now, now you've decided I'm, I'm okay and yeah. accepted but regardless I am now currently within the realm of privilege and I totally accept that and I, I'm just trying to use this for good it's so weird when people um, say that I am too attractive to speak out about these issues like photoshop or diet teas or eating disorder culture or fat phobia but it's like well you tell the people who aren't conventionally attractive that they're not allowed to talk about it because they're jealous and bitter and then you tell the people who are who fit within your realms of societal expectations that they're too attractive then you silence everyone Mm. no one gets to talk about it the conversation never gets had it's a genius way of controlling this conversation it's all about money all of this is just all about money but it's about monetizing women's bodies and weaponizing them against us you know i was joking in the sam smith interview about like we've how we've run out of real estate um on a woman's body to monetize which is why they're now picking on men and men's body body Mm. positivity is about to become very important because men are being they're under attack and they're being Mm. hazed the way we have been hazed in the beginning of time and i joked that like next there'll be earlobe plasty and the next day after the interview, I saw an advert for earlobe Botox so that you can have smoother oh earlobes. Like, we've run out of space. I saw an avocado breast mask <laughs> that's supposed to lift your breasts. No, no avocado. I don't care what kind of magical fucking avocado you've got. It's not going to re- reverse gravity and lift your breasts up. And women are, we are left un- we're unprotected because we've been hazed so much with the shame that we don't even know when we're being lied to anymore. I used to buy all this stuff. Well, that's, I was just about to say that, that, you know, um, if you are scrolling through Instagram and you do see the co- the whole, you know, take this random facial thing that will make you lose weight or whatever these things are, I feel like it's okay if your immediate thought is, ooh, might try that, and then go to the next thought of like, no, no, no. But it's like we're allowed to be seduced through centuries of conditioning i mean i heard you on on an amazing podcast recently on the call the man repeller oh yeah, with erica yeah. Yeah. who i met recently and you were saying if we spent less time on this stuff just imagine what we could be spending it yeah on. and i really believe that four years ago i decided to stop uh spending any money on refused to buy anything that was kind of like corrective within the beauty industry so no anti-aging creams saved all my money up and put it into a therapy fund I was like, I'm not going to keep fixing the outside. I'm going to fix the inside and then I won't care about the outside so much. And that is exactly what happened. I have so much more time. I'm so much more productive. I have more hours in the day than I ever thought I could. 
I mean, I've, I could stand to bathe more now, perhaps. I'm on like day three. I'm so sorry. Don't sit near me. Um, but the point is that I have opened my, my big brain up mm. to so many other things. We've been constantly distracted. I think it's deliberate. It's hard to know, isn't it, whether you want to do it for yourself and be like, I feel amazing when I go and get my nails done versus, wow, I just spent like 50 quid on something my boyfriend will never spend 50 quid on. We're putting hot wax on our labias where most of our nerve endings are and then ripping it off. I'm not waxing. I've never had a wax ever, ever, ever. I just keep everything sort of just, I just keep, a, keep an eye on it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, no, fair there's enough. There's you can't do with a pair of fucking scissors. <laughs> I refuse to do that. I object. I think we need is, that on a t-shirt. I think it is un-feminist for anyone to expect me to pour boiling hot wax and then rip it off. Sorry, I'm talking about pubes on your no, show, but, but it's a big fucking part of the neat. conversation. I keep my arm hair like I have arm hair, and and I people can't believe it in my photographs that I have arm hair. Why shouldn't I have arm hair? That's I'm still figuring out thing. armpits. Mm. I'm still trying to work out. I think it how looks I feel so about cool that. when people have hairy armpits now. I agree, I agree, but I don't even love it on boys. I don't mm. love a lot of hair right, there right, on boys. Right. So I'm trying to work out my own yeah, issues. Fair on enough. That. I'm still. It's a. It's a constant journey. We're being deliberately distracted. I think so that we can't become. How can we become an equal gender if we've got all this extra homework? This is extra homework. Do I have to look like a fucking Instagram model while also trying to? work the same hours concentrate be as innovative and skilled as the other gender who don't have to do all of this shit Mm -hmm. i mean if they bathe they're congratulated a man who's hot on top of being successful is a unicorn but for a woman that's just a basic and the same with weight same with weight it's like no one really talks about businessmen in a way that is not just like oh you're good at business yeah you actually can't believe if a big very very chubby businessman who's quite a lot older and he doesn't really look after his hair or you know what I mean like he's sort of disheveled perhaps and you you you're not you don't blink twice when you see him with an unbelievably attractive very young woman mm. you just sort of like we've grown to accept that you're actually quite surprised if you see a man nowadays especially in like Los Angeles who, with a woman his own age it's quite surprising mm. when you see a man with someone his own age because everyone here is like they date women half their age and that's considered normal that's crazy. And these men have according to the standards we hold women to have let themselves go but the women aren't allowed to ever. You've got 65 year old women still wearing the tiny mini skirt, maintaining the figure of a 21 year old, running up and down, hiking, trying to keep their figure, even though their metabolism slowing down, full of Botox. Mm. It's those things just to look at and be like the day that we can all just be completely moving through the world without any sort of weird expectation. What do you just hope does happen in the next few years? Because, I mean, is your goal that actually we don't need eyeway and, and you can actually take a day off what do you hope that will change i hope in my lifetime that eyewear won't need to exist but i don't know if that's possible because Mm. of how much uh consumerism depends on shaming people to make them buy things that they don't need uh Mm. they invent problems that they then sell you a fix for uh so i don't know how fast that'll happen but i either way i hope i weigh to become the leading voice for how you can market to people without making them ashamed and you can be aspirational and you can 
sell things to women that you would normally just sell to men because we need efficiency and we need all these helpful little gadgets and these interesting things we don't just need pink toys or different creams to fight time and gravity Mm. we need interesting important stuff the things that my boyfriend gets marketed versus the things that I do on our social media is so interesting I want all the stuff that he's got I've generally like I've been with him for four years and I kind of around that same time decided I was just going to live my life like he does if he doesn't have to get his nails done before a a magazine cover then nor do I if he spends five minutes getting ready so do I and so I now try to live myself live my life similarly to how he does and sort of like just sort of borrow a little bit of his male privilege and it's changed my world now that I'm not thinking about it all the time I've got more hours in the day than I've ever had and I'm happier than I've the most mentally well I had no idea how much it was making me mentally ill thinking about this all the time it's maddening it's maddening to think about yourself that much of the day and to think about your body it's gross Mm. and I think about other people and their experiences and I've become a better person for it it's amazing that you've moved to somewhere like Hollywood I know to, to, to get to that point as in it's really impressive actually to be in this environment and to have your way of thinking I think that's just because of the internet I think the internet is universal and it kept me grounded and kept me it, and also I've been always driven I only got into this industry really to help people I said that when I was 21 when I first got signed that uh, my agent asked me what do you want to do and I was like I want to help people and and I heard that being famous is a way that you can do that easily mm-hmm. more easily because I remember at that time Angelina Jolie was just kind of like starting all of her work with the UN and going to Cambodia and going to Pakistan and that was my country and she was bringing light to things that we've been talking about for years and no one listened to us but they're listening to this Hollywood actress and I was mm-hmm. like wow privilege is an amazing way of getting shit done fast yeah it's a, it's a, a strategy a yeah so I've been doing this for a long time just to do that but also I'm obsessed with young people because I a really abusive childhood and I was very badly bullied and I've had eating disorders and I've been sexually abused and I have been treated very badly by other people all the way up into my adult life um and I've been miserable and I've only really been happy for the last three years and I don't want anyone to have to wait until they're 30 Mm. to uh not want to die Mm. I'd like to save the people who haven't yet been corrupted if Mm. I can yeah otherwise then all of this stuff happened to me for no reason Mm. so I have to turn it into something good yeah so for anyone that's struggling with people just like not really believing in them because it sounds like you did have a lot of people who were just like doubted me doubted you a lot Mm -hmm. and it's really I'm just so glad that things are going so well for you because of that as well (laughs) it must be a nice feeling to be honest when people you're just like well I didn't need you anyway and I just wondered if you had any advice for anyone listening who is dealing with just like a boss that doesn't believe in them family member that thinks they're rubbish that sort of thing people uh have a lot of fear and they like to project that fear onto other people because if you go out and you try and you succeed then that will make them feel bad about the fact that they didn't put themselves out there and try and succeed so they don't want you to even try because they're terrified that you will win and then they will have to face their own fear so they project fear onto you they fear monger you they're afraid of your power and you should take people's doubt as a compliment and prove use that as fuel to prove them wrong mm. like trying really is winning and and in all of my failures of which there have been many uh they have been great lessons to me and they've made me a stronger and better and smarter person because mm. you know people even people like michelle obama talk openly about imposter syndrome and stuff like yeah. that um it's interesting to just be in a situation where you're just like no i deserve to be here but equally i'm on my toes here and i've got to like we've all got to give it our best shot yeah i'm trying to kill my imposter syndrome because i think that that is a a product of misogyny and patriarchy i've realized that uh, a woman's self-doubt 
is what they feed upon. Mm-hmm. And so I've started to uh, access my big ovary energy and I'm just in beast mode now where I've started to talk more confidently in any room and I've started to back myself the way that I would back my best friend. I love that. I've said shit to myself that I wouldn't say to my worst enemy in my life and I'm so ashamed of that. It's probably my biggest shame of some of the things that I've said to myself. Mm. I'm the person I've been the meanest to and I regret everything I've said to my poor body who's done so much to keep mm. me alive. Um, That's really good advice because I really struggle with that. Like I'm actually very, very confident um, when I'm on my own and I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I'm like doing a panel or something, I'm like, oh, I better not be too confident because people won't like me yeah no I'm I'm not about that now I'm in I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this the way that men do and walk in and back myself and I'm in a country where if you don't do that you don't get the job right and they don't see self-deprecating as any kind of so they believe you if you say oh I'm not very good or yeah again I think self-deprecation is something that we've you know it's like I think it's a way that we control people is to make them never feel confident to ask for more money or to ask for more for better treatment or to ask for more. Do you think it's helped being here? Because I think I know it's yeah, a generalization massively. that no, like massively. British people are like downplay themselves, but yeah, for sure. I've been here and it's taught me how to stick up for myself. My boyfriend has taught me how to stick up for myself. He, I didn't back myself at all, and that that man has taught me how to. He's taught me how to own it and to walk into a room the way that he does he's not always sure of himself but he walks into a room like he is Mm. and he never vocally doubts himself outside like you know to the to people around and he just he just believes things will work out in a way that I've never especially as a woman of color who grew up with no money like I I always expect the I used to expect the worst Mm. but he's been a great force of like you know I kind of understand the brain of a of white male privilege now which is something that he has and he knows and he tries to use for good yes but it's a great life in that brain i mean people absolutely love you as um tahani in the the character and they obviously want to see you doing more acting and i know this is a really annoying question because i'm i talk a lot about being multi-hyphenate and i don't want to pick anything but yeah, yeah. is there any is there like a certain thing you prefer more or are you just gonna do all sorts of things. I love interviewing, which is why I'm really happy the interview series. Yeah. I can't launched. wait to watch the Sam Smith one. Thank and you. The, yeah. And, so and then Liz, Lizzo's next. Like <gasps> it's just yeah. It's I a, love her. It's going to be a great series. And that's linked back to like all of the stuff you've been doing before for yeah. years. Yeah, and, years and, and years. Erica Hart and Phoebe Robinson and just all these brilliant people that maybe not everyone around the world is aware of yet. So it's going to be a combination of like superstars and also the people that you don't know but you should know. Yes. And so it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I think I love both. I think I love doing everything. I, activism makes me the happiest. Doing something that actually actually changes people's lives. And I've actually changed people's lives in this last year, which I, I, I can't, I didn't think was possible. But mm. it's it just to, in little ways. I don't think I've been this. And I way has changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. And this movement, and we've changed each other's lives. And they've changed my life. We've made an effect on each other. We've made an impact on each other where we have, we all I've done is lighten people a fire that makes them want to stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and remind themselves of what they're worth. And, and remind themselves that like, oh, I made a human being. Fuck the snapback. I'm a miracle. I made a person with my body. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the the pride that one should feel at least when they have a baby if i make a sandwich i think i'm the fucking <laughs> king of the world i can't imagine making a human being and then we shame them yeah from before they even give to the birth of the baby i've got friends who are panicking from five months in that they're gaining weight and it's like yeah, of course you're gaining weight you you're should making be. a person <laughs> I know. yeah so i mean it's just it's fun to trigger a revolution against shame 
and the revolution is not coming it's here mm. and it's called i weigh shares are down in the diet detox brand industry shares are great. literally down great and and also i managed to get uh peti- I, I made a petition to get instagram and facebook and twitter and snapchat to stop letting these celebrities promote all these products without ever saying what the side effects are right. and uh theresa may addressed it in the house of commons like it was on prime minister's question time and it was brought up and spoken about and our petition was shouted out i signed that petition thank you so much did you what's the limit to reach before it gets taken to a hundred thousand yeah we got to two hundred and fifty thousand <gasps> incredible almost. and so uh now it's being dealt with as like an actual law that will have to be passed they don't want to write diarrhea cramps like yes. i took this stuff when i was younger my asshole was like a dragon from Grey- game of thrones that's it it was just i was just shitting fire all day i felt awful i was dehydrated my digestive system didn't recover for like 20 years my oh thyroid my is buggered my metabolism's buggered uh nothing so works properly bad. and i wasn't sleeping and i was and i was mentally ill and they're selling these things to yeah children they're fucking thieves mm. i think i i hope i'm doing is i have a knack for making any for ruining everything I can ruin anything. I can ruin any romantic moment. I can ruin I can ruin any moment and I can make anything unsexy and I can make anything gross and embarrassing. And I think that that's what I'm achieving. That's what I hope to achieve with the diet detox industry. Mm. I want to make you look like a fucking goon if you partake in that because yes. you're underestimating the intelligence of the public and the public are waking up. Mm-hmm. People bring stuff to me. I don't go out looking for it. The kids are awake they're bringing me the stuff i find out about i don't follow any toxic people on instagram because i'm very protective over my space for my mental mm-hmm. health i follow zero toxic things That's on so good. social media and but young some young people still follow these people and that's how i hear about it because right. hundreds of them come to me being like can you believe this person's selling this this person's selling a gummy that's supposed to make your hair longer it's like you're wearing extensions you <laughs> asshole that's not even your hair oh my god yeah do the extensions come with the magical bullshit gummies that are just sugar? There's still a long way to go then in, uh, it, because people are still buying I'm this very stuff. angry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm very sweary and angry. <laughs> well, thank you for everything you're doing in generally. Thank you for everything you're doing. I think you're incredibly empowering and you're... you're I don't think I'm doing enough when I look at someone like you, if I'm being honest. We're all doing enough. <laughs> if we're doing something, we're doing enough. Yeah. It's it's The worst thing is if you look at someone doing loads of things and think, well, there's no point in me doing anything because you're out yeah, here, you're in this, Thank you're talking you. to everyone, you're also giving other people a platform, giving other people a voice, spreading good words, and you write very empowering things for young women and young people to read. And so Thank it's just you. great to see your your star rise thank you it's just so exciting watching what you're doing please keep doing it i live my life please take some days off yeah i live my life walking the tightrope of cancellation but (laughs) (laughs) let's all be more truthful and thank you for leading the way on that thank you lots of love